I was I was doing everything. I was like, yo, I everything. Living single, we are living single. Ooh, in the nineties kind of world. I'm glad I got my girl. <laughs> Welcome back, welcome back. Hey, yo, it's Blue, baby. And it's your girl, Olivia Dope, back again. Ah, <laughs> uh, super facts, super facts, dope. And yeah, welcome back to Blue Dope, y'all. It's episode nine already. I mean, yo, Liv, they, they like us. They, they really, really like us. Hey, nah, for real, the feedback has been nothing but positive. Y'all know I love positive vibes. We hear you, we thank you, and we are definitely working on implementing many of your suggestions in upcoming episodes, so keep them ears to the streets. Yes, ma'am. But thank you all for rocking with us. I mean, each and every week, your support means the world to us on a global scale because we got people from everywhere checking in. We truly appreciate each and every one of y'all. So continue to reach out. We love hearing from yes, you. Yes, yes. On today's episode, the one, the only, Deval Ellis is joining us to update on his growing family empire. Did you just say update, though? Yeah, update. Once again, we're updating on one of our favorite guests. 2017, when we started this podcast, uh, Jeff and Deval were one of our first guests. So it's great to have them back. Word. I mean, so much has happened since then. And he's still on the rise, Pose. An epic rise. So, you know, we love chatting with Dean. This episode's conversation is quote unquote mind blowing, according to one of our producers. But that original chat, that, that, that joint was fired too. On a side note, if this is your first introduction to us and what we do welcome, we encourage you to sit back and listen to our first eight episodes. You know, rate on Apple Podcasts, comment, share, you know, all that good stuff because all that helps. And um, yeah, we originally interviewed Deval uh, a few years back, and this is before the rise, the viral rise. You're teasing them, Liv. You're teasing them. Yep. So you should stick around till the end of the show to find that original audio where you can find it. Look, we've been talking long enough. Time to let dude say some words. Yeah, it's a good one, y'all. Really, really good. Without further ado, the multi-hyphenate himself. Deval Ellis, y'all. Hey, yo, what's good, Deval? How you been, man? What up? I'm chilling, baby. How y'all feeling? Brooklyn is in the building. What's up? Brooklyn's always in the building. Yes. It's always in the building. Yes. Every building. Yes, Any block. Yes, yes. But no, it's definitely, it's been a minute since we sat down. We, we basically, we, we interviewed you for what I'd like to call at this point, you know, our, our, our prep season, right? Our pilot season, if anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're here, we're back, we relaunched and it's, it's crazy because when we look at over these years, you've done so much. So we definitely want to pick this up kind of right where we left off. So that's the direction of where mm-hmm. we're going with this. Okay, cool. I'm with it. Let's get money. You've done a lot since we last spoke. Um, so just yeah. setting the scene, you were right at the cusp of viral stardom. Right before, like, right mm-hmm. when we sat down, the moment, the viral video with you and Kaz. Kaz wasn't even born yet when we sat down. So, like, 
Yeah, it was me and Cairo. Yeah, yeah right, Cairo. Cairo. So this is this is how it happened. This is now if I if I would have told y'all four years ago what I wanted to do, y'all would have looked at me crazy. But I literally decided what I was going to do and then just really went out and did it. Um, I was on, at the time I was doing national commercials, I was trying to focus on on acting and, and TV film. And I was getting some bites, you know what I'm saying? I was doing commercials and I was doing co-stars and guest stars on TV shows, but I was constantly getting booked for the same thing. Like I did uh, Mysteries of Laura, I played an ex-con. Uh, Blacklist, I played an ex-con. Power, I played an ex-con. Um, the Breaks, I was in a lineup. And I remember when I was doing a Power episode, which was a big deal because it was season two of Power, um, my family sat down and watched. And Jackson, who at the time was only five, I, I come up on the screen and he goes, damn, daddy, you always in that orange jumpsuit. That hit me because I'm like, here I am trying to be a different type of black actor. And I'm pretty much perpetuating the same stereotypes that I saw growing up. And my son is watching it. So I told Kay at that point, I said, yo, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to create my own narrative. And she was like, how? And at the time, Instagram only had 15 second videos. So I told her, I'm going to make 15 second clips of me being a family man to just show me in a different light. Because before that, Instagram only had, I was doing my workout stuff. Um, You see me with my tattoos, lifting weights, doing all this other stuff. So I, I felt like people only saw me in that light. They knew that I played football. So they were like, oh, he's an athlete. You know, he stays in shape. Oh, he can be a gangbanger. Oh, he could be a bouncer. He could be an ex-con. But I wanted to show them the family aspect. And at the time, Kay was pregnant. So I had um pretty much showed Kay giving birth to Cairo. And people started to pay attention to what was going on because I was showing my family. Um, I had talked a lot about the the quarrels me and Kay went through as a millennial married couple because at that point, five years into our marriage, we had decided that, yo, everything we was doing early in our marriage was just fucked up. Like, <laughs> we had no clue what we was doing. Like, we were trying to figure it out. Like, I, was, I wasn't I was a a terrible husband, but I wasn't present. I was focused on just trying to provide and try to be everything that I thought a man was supposed to be, but I wasn't present emotionally. You know, I wasn't um, present as far as being a good partner. I was just, here's the money I'm working. Here's the money I'm working. I, I need you to give me what I need because I'm giving you what I think this is what a husband is. And we were just like, we, we were just like, you know what? Let's talk about our issues in marriage on social media. Let's kind of like debate about it because it was funny. Like, like this is going to be part of the sitcom. If I was going to do my own sitcom, the sitcom is going to be about millennial marriage. Mm. So I told Kay I was going to do this. Instagram went from 15 second videos to 60 second videos. I started doing 60 second videos of me and Kadeen and her dealing with just having a baby. And then she actually got pregnant right after. So her being postpartum and and um prenatal at the same time so i used to make jokes about that and people was paying you know great times it's amazing it's amazing you know about that jim i i had told her i said i said listen i'm going to use this platform the way rappers use mixtapes to create their own narrative and to build their own like their own viral load and she was like what you mean i said think about it all of the best rappers in our generation were all shut down by big time media people. They were all like, oh, you don't got it. You don't got Jay-Z. You don't got it. all these people, the Migos. They all decided like, you know what? Why do I got to wait for y'all? Why do I got to wait for an A&R to come pick me up? Let me just sell my mixtapes, create my own stuff, develop my own buzz, and then they'll come watching. So I said, I'm going to do the same thing with TV. I'm going to do my Brooklyn. own social sitcom. That's the hustle. That's that's that's, right that's how we do. I'm gonna just do it myself. I'm gonna do it myself. So um, 
I did that and the rest is history, y'all. Like seriously, like I told Kay this is what I was going to do. I wanted to create a new narrative for myself. I was tired of waiting for these big agencies to come get me. So I just put myself out there and TV shows, podcasts, movies, and another TV show later, I'm here. Now, you you definitely went from viral to ultra viral. And I think a lot of people that get to that space don't know how to translate it into anything more, right? They get to that certain level and they don't really know how to command the rest of the space. So I want to ask you, how exactly did you take advantage of those moments and turn it into something so lucrative? Because there's a piece there that I think a lot of people are missing when they try to make those jumps. Well, um, it's funny you ask that because um, I owe I owe a lot of this to 50 Cent, right? Mm. Remember I told you I worked on Power. Yes. And I took I took um, another role on Power as Omari Hardwick's stunt double. I was ghost stunt double for the last three seasons of Power. And I got a chance to work closely because I wanted to work behind a leading male to see what that was like. But while I was there, I had did an episode where 50 was there. And I had did 50 Cent's funeral video two years prior. So when he saw me, you know, I saw him. He was like, yo, what's good? You know what I'm saying? Because I had auditioned for that video. He's like, yo, what's up? So we we started chatting. And then um, he was like, yo, you want to get a flick? And I was like, yeah, we'll we'll get one later. I'm about to, you know, I got to follow them. So later on that night, everything was shutting down. It was 1130 at night. We was there all day. 50's coming through the hallway, and it's him and the PA. Everybody's getting out the way because it's 50 Cent, right? And he's getting ready to get on the elevator. And I'm sitting there because they wrapped me already, and I'm like, damn, this is my shot. This is my shot. Yeah. So I go in there, and I go to get in the elevator, right? And the PA, like, stops me, and I'm like, get out of here. And I just get on the elevator, right? And <laughs> 50's like, what's good, yo? And I was like, yo, let me holler at you. I, I gave him the ill stiff on. Like, nah, you're not stopping me from getting on this elevator. You're going to get all the Brooklyn stuff in this episode, like... Got, just, just warning. Don't facts, try it if you're not facts, from Brooklyn. Like, don't try it if you're not from Brooklyn. Warning. Don't, <laughs> don't. And this, and this is all true stories too. Like I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying. I'm in the elevator with Fifty, right? And I'm like, yo, you a bully? And he was just like, he was laughing. I was like, yeah, you a bully, but I'm a bully too. I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm gonna let you know right now. Like I want to be on one of your projects, mm. right? And he was just like, nah, I wanna. He's like, nah, we are gonna work together. We are gonna work together. So he hit me with the Hollywood. We are gonna work together. You know, because at, at this point. I'm just a stunt double. If you 50 Cent, the, the Amari Hardwick stunt double is talking about he want to be in your project. You're not going to pay no attention to him. So he hit me with the, yeah, we're going to work together. But he did say this, though. He was like, you the same dude from the casket? Yeah, exactly. I'm the same dude that was in the, the 50 the, the video. The casket, right? He's the same guy. He's just like, this guy, what is this guy talking about? Right. So I, he was getting ready to get off the elevator. I was going to let him rock, too. Right? I, like, I said my piece or whatever. He was like, yo, yo, follow me. Right? So went to his dressing room. Right? He's like, what you? What else you working on? And I, I showed him. I said, yo, I had made these videos. And at the time, none of my videos had gone viral. This was before uh, Cairo's, the video with Cairo had happened. This was the summer before that. So I was like, yo, I'm working on these videos. I'm doing this, you know, blah, 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 blah. He was like, yo, let me give you a tip. He said, you see how in the rap game, you got all these YouTube rappers and they all get famous because, you know, they have one video get famous and they get on YouTube and they go viral. And after that, they don't got nothing. And I was like, yeah, he was just like, make sure you have a catalog mm. so that if your joint do go viral and people come find you, you already have a catalog of stuff that people can say, oh, he don't just do this. He's not a one one hit wonder. He does this. That gave me the mental fortitude to stay focused when nobody was watching my videos because I was doing videos for a year and a half before anybody was watching. I was getting 700 views, 500 views. Nobody was paying attention. Then I had that video with 
with Cairo go crazy. And before I knew it, I'm like 135,000 views. I'm like, what the fuck? I had no clue what was happening. <laughs> then I went back to my old videos and all of those videos had hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, this is what 50 was wow. talking about. <laughs> Mind blown. And it was his words. Yo, no, for real, it was his words that made me realize like, yo, I got to just keep putting out content regardless if, if every every piece of content doesn't go viral. You have to provide content so people can be ready for when they when something does pop. And when he gave me that little bit of advice, I held on to it. And then um, watching other people like Tyler Perry and, and Jay-Z and Floyd Mayweather, they talked about ownership and just doing my research in the industry and realizing how I could monetize these opportunities. I was ready. Once I started getting my engagement up and I seen what was happening, I was like, okay. Now you're going to have to pay me for this content. And I was talking to brands, you know what I'm saying? Like, I realized that you make more money going to brands and, and charging brands than you do charging people to get your content. So as long as I have the engagement, the brands want to use my page, you have to bring the bag. And that's that's what happened. I was ready for it. Right. So that moment with Cairo, when you mm-hmm. did that video, when you post, did you say, yo... I got something here when you when you posted it or was it an an after when okay this is really going ultra viral now like did you post it thinking like so, okay I think this is the one So what well, the funny thing is every video I post I be thinking to myself oh this is the one this shit going to hit right that's that's because I I really I, I script and I, I write these videos kind of like a, um like a writer would a sitcom I'm like this little bit is funny like this 60 seconds of video is funny so when I created that video with Cairo I actually was going through that moment. That moment was a real moment. Like I literally, everything that happened to me that morning happened. And I was like, I got to find a way to tell this story in 60 seconds. Mm. And it just so happened that I went to drop Cairo to Miss J's house and nobody was home at the time. So now I want to post a video so that I could post it at the right time. But I got the baby in my hand. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just doing it with him here. Like (laughs) if you watch all of the videos before that, it was just me talking to people. But this one I had Cairo and it was like I can't let the I can't let this stop me from posting the video today. So I just I just posted it with him and I I I made sure that my story was within 60 seconds and it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. I'm sure I made sure it had an arc. And when people got a hold of it, I think that video got over 130 million views. Crazy. Between Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. It got shared over 130,000 times. It was it was bananas. Like I, I didn't expect that, but I just I knew that that was a good one. Yeah. So you made a ton of TV appearances, film appearances, um, doing extra mm-hmm. work, and then people started to figure out, okay, all right, he's actually an actor. Like this is not somebody mm-hmm. that just went viral. Like you, you said, Fifty said, have your content yeah. ready. You had it ready. This guy is actually mm-hmm. an actor. So you know, with mm-hmm. that. How did sisters come around? Because the funny thing is, I saw you in the airport. Yeah, right you did. After you auditioned for sisters. Like alignment is right great. Right after audition, we ran it right together. after you auditioned yeah. for sisters. My connecting flight. We're on the same flight. So, mm-hmm. what were your initial feelings once you got the role? So this this is what's crazy. Like people automatically assume that you got to go to a big agency or somebody got to, you know, like things have to happen a certain way for you to get on TV, right? I've been putting out all of this content and little did I know that TV producers and movie producers been watching me on Instagram, you know? And there were a couple of casting directors who 
they know me. They're like, oh, I love this guy and I love his family. So my manager at the time, she was working in, and it's also right time, right place. Like you always have to be prepared because you never know when the opportunity is going to come. There's, there's another show on BET Plus. What's on BET right now called Bigger, right? And the casting director for Bigger reached out to me because she follows me on Instagram and was just like, hey, I think there's a role for you. I think you'd be good for it. I went and auditioned for it. Long story short, I didn't get that role. But when I was in that meeting, she told me, like, listen, you're doing something really, really great. Don't ever stop. And my heart was broken because they flew me out. I, I tested for the role and everything, but I didn't get it. And then um, two weeks later... Same thing happened for sisters. My manager said, hey, the casting director said they have a role for you. It would be, you know, be good, blah, 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 blah. I submitted a self-tape. After I submitted a self-tape, got a phone call back and said, hey, you know, this is Mark Swinton from Tyler Perry Studios. We'd like you for the role of Zach. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I just, I just like didn't get a role. I was heartbroken. Then submitted for another role, got it. And then I got a phone call from Bigger and it was just like, hey, we have a role for you on Bigger. It's a guest star appearance on this episode. So I ended up booking both TV shows. Nice. Part of the reason why, part of the reason why I think that's important for people to know is because when it came down to me and this other dude for the bigger role, it was me and Chase. And we were going back and forth. We were auditioning back and forth. We stayed there. And when they told me they were gonna go with Chase, I reached out to Chase and I was just like, yo, congratulations. You know what I'm saying? And we kept we kept in touch. And even he said it, he was like, yo, it's very rare in this industry where you two people are going up for a role and one person gets in and the other person is cool with it. But I honestly feel like what's for you is for you. Like there's a reason why I didn't get that role. And part mm-hmm. of the reason why is because it was meant for me to be on Sisters. If I would have booked that and been a series regular on that, I couldn't do Sisters. And then if I, I can get Sisters, I wouldn't have been on both shows. But now I'm on both TV shows. Nice. So it's like it's no reason it's no reason to like be mad at somebody or hate or be like oh this person stole my role whatever role is for you is you if somebody else gets it that's for them and I honestly believe that so it's just it's just keeping my head down staying focused focused on the prize and then just keep running. I hear that. That's a damn. That's a story. Mm-hmm. Like because when I saw you in the airport, I was like, okay, that's what's up. Yeah. This audition, you were like, yeah, you got to keep it on the hush. I'm like, okay, but what's what's up? <laughs> Every time you see the ball, he got some top secret joint secret that's shit. about to happen. <laughs> that's Every <what> time. <laughs> and and going into just the idea of getting to work with Tyler Perry, I think his track record shows everything he touches turns into gold. So your first day on set, did you feel that automatically that day one? I'm Anna, a transgender woman. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgender. Join Anna as she chronicles her transition and Cam as he learns how to be a supportive parent. This podcast is about embracing differences and finding common ground. It's a roller coaster of emotions, laughter, and genuine connection. Tune in to new episodes of The Transgender Bi-Weekly. Subscribe and listen to The Transgender on your favorite podcast platform. Love you all, except the bigots. Um, shoot. I mean, I'm going to be honest, bro. I was kind of overwhelmed by everything that was going on. I mean, the, the funny thing is I found out that I was booking, that I booked in July. They told us that we were going to be filming at the end of July. 
Then I found out we were going to be filming 25 episodes in three weeks. <laughs> so I didn't even have time to... Yeah, yeah, it was... It was crazy. Like, I, I didn't even have time to relish in the moment because I was kind of like, I got to learn all these fucking lines, bro. Like, wow. fuck being starstruck by this. I got to know this shit. So, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was time to go to work. And it reminded me a little bit of the NFL. Like, in the NFL, you got three weeks to, to impress coaches and impress all 32 teams. And you got to put your best foot forward. So I, I played in the league for four years. And the entire four years, you're focused on trying to keep a job. So people was like, how was it playing in the NFL? It was stressful because I had a fucking work. work to do. But um, it was it was work, you know. And, and now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh, oh, I did that. Like, I, I can't believe I did that. But um, working with TP was the same way. Like, that first season was a whirlwind. Like, I don't even remember the first wow. season. Um, It happened so fast. Um, right after we wrapped was the grand opening for his studio. And when I tell you, I, I, yo, Jim, Jim, I'm opening the studio. We open the studio doors, right? And I'm next to Jay-Z, Diddy, Ludacris, mm. um, Beyonce. Mm. Um, yo, yo, you want to hear a funny story? I'm going to tell you, a, I'm going to tell you a funny story, bro. Me and Kay are walking down this 300-yard red carpet, the longest red carpet in the history of red carpets, right? All of the studios... There's a lot of acres the out there. Of the studio, yeah. <laughs> it's mad, three, 330 acres, right? So, th- Cicely, Will Smith, Holly Berry, Whoopi Goldberg, Spike Lee, everybody who's anybody was there. So, that's, so let me... That's, uh, just think about that, this whole sea of people, right? And everybody's in the same room. Mm. And I'm like... I'm like, yo, I'm here. And I'm saying to myself, I do not deserve to be here. Like, what mm. did I do to be amongst all of these great people? That's how I'm feeling, right? But then I'm like, I'm like, I'm from Brooklyn. That's right. Like, man, up. Like, you belong here, right? So now <laughs> we walking down the red carpet, right? Me and Kay walking down. This is, this is what we do. This is what we do, right? So me me and Kay walking down the red carpet, right? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So I'm saying, so I'm looking to my right and it's Diddy. Mm. And Diddy's looking up, and he he got this look on his face, and he grabbed Ludacris, and they like, I ain't never seen no shit like this before. And I'm like, if they saying this, if they saying this, so then to my left, and you, I'm, we from Brooklyn, to my left, I see a tall six, two and a half, six, three figure, it's Jay-Z, right? It's not, right next to him, right next to him is Beyonce in a yellow dress, and you know, Kay loved Beyonce. I don't know a woman who don't love Beyonce, right? So I'm like, yo, Kay, go say what's up to Beyonce. And she's just like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I'm like, yo, go stop, stop being a punk. Go say what's up to Beyonce. She says, go say what's up to Jay-Z. So I was like, fine. I'm saying so. I walked up. I was like, yo, ho, what's up? I'm from Brooklyn, son. I'm from Flatbush. Canarsie, what's up? He was like, that's what's up. That's what's up. This is very nice. This is very, very nice. And I was like, I was like yo. Jay-Z fucking spoke to me, son. So then I ran back. I ran back to Kay. I said, I said, what's up? Go mm. say what's up to Beyonce. She froze and she couldn't say nothing to Beyonce. But um, <laughs> I freaking was like, this is crazy. Then I seen Will Smith. Ooh, I yeah, seen yo, Will bro. Smith. That was a bro, moment. That's, that was that's your moment. guy, bro. That's that your guy right there. Moment. Bro, when I tell you, I it, 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 was, like a, it was like a moment. I will never forget yes. that moment. Like I I was starstruck. Um, I'm surprised I didn't pass out. <laughs> Um, and Will was like the nicest dude. Like he sat down and, and just talked. 
talked to me for like 10 minutes and he was just laughing <laughs> yeah. and just being with nice. And I was just like, yo, I'm here. And I'm like, I'm here with all of these people. Like, it was crazy. I- like, it was, it was crazy. But it made me feel like I belong. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I belong here. So I've been working. Ever since that, that was two years ago. I've been working nonstop. Um, I'm going to ask you a random did anyone there recognize you that surprised you? Was anyone like, yo, that's that Devon dude right there? Like, did that happen? Bro, almost every person in there came up to me, whispered in my ear, and was like, bro, I love what you do, bro. Wow. When I tell you, when I tell you, it was... That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. T.I., T.I., Tiny. Wow. Diddy came up to me, was like, bro, you got three sons, I got three sons. Diddy! What? Bro, I didn't, I didn't realize. I didn't realize, y'all. I didn't. You know, as human beings, we kind of forget like, yo, when we are our, our authentic selves, everybody gravitates to it because it's real life. It is real life. That's and true. we want to see Black, successful, strong families. We want to see that. That's the content we need. So yeah, people are going to embrace you, the Ellis's, because... We haven't seen that in a very long time, and it's absolutely necessary, especially in the world that we live in. Speak on it, bro. I, I appreciate that, yo. Dope. I, I appreciate that, but it was it was shocking to me at the same time. That's crazy, like you, you're speaking a thousand percent facts, but when you look, when you're around all these people who you've watched your whole life, and then someone comes up to you, like like Kyla Pratt comes up to you and just be like, "I love y'all guys," and wow. you like me, yeah. Like you, like you love me. Like when when Diddy says, "Yo, yo, King," you know what I'm saying. I see you. Mm. You got three kings. I got three kings. It's like crazy. Me, crazy, crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's like me. Yo, but you're Diddy. It's inspiring. <laughs> yo, I am Diddy. I am Diddy. But I told Kay that I was Diddy, and Kay was just like, "No, <laughs> no you got one wife. You the all. Diddy oh, got oh. three different baby mothers. All right, don't you not Diddy right now? You devout. Get it I was twisted. like, all right. All right, That's because K from Brooklyn, yeah, too. I'm like, all right, I'm not dead. Relax, relax. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, my like, gosh. No, just, it was amazing. So, in terms of sisters, okay, cool. You're doing 25 episodes in three weeks. Bang, bang, bang. bang. Mm-hmm. Season one comes out. Are you the type to actually just watch the episodes? Like, do you watch your work? Um, Are you analytical I as do. you do it? Are you just enjoying it? I knew you would because you're nah, an I don't, um, You're an Aries. Yeah, uh, so you already know what it is. <laughs> April 2nd. I can't, I don't enjoy nothing. Mm. I'm sitting there like this with a notepad. Like, nah, I didn't believe that moment. What was I fucking thinking in that moment? <laughs> like, why Why would Zach say that? Zach would not say that. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I can't, like, I watch myself and I critique myself the most because I want to be honest mm-hmm. and I want to get better. Like, um, I listened to Will Smith. Y'all, I know everybody here has watched the Fresh Prince reunion, and he talked about how bad he was his first couple seasons on the Fresh Prince because he's he wasn't a thespian, like he oh, he wasn't um he wasn't you know trained. Yeah, he, he wasn't classically trained, so he was watching. He was just like, I was just out there having a good time. The best part was when he was mouthing the other people's <laughs> like words, like and we would have. We would have never noticed that until that reunion. Oh shit! Yo, he, but but you know what? That that is a credit to his word, his work ethic, because it shows that he didn't only learn his lines; he learned yes. everybody's lines so that he could know his cue. 
And um, I watch the same way. I just want to make sure that I get better every time. I, I learned this from football. You know, the only way you can get better is through introspection, from watching yourself, you know, holding the mirror up and saying, what am I doing wrong? How can I change? And in this case, I don't have to hold the mirror up. I can just turn on BET every Wednesday at nine o'clock and be like, I missed that moment. Let me fix that next time. Let me let me change this. Let me change my cadence here. So I watch with a very critiqueful eye. Now, I mean, Zach comes off very Duvall-ish, right? And I think that's something that your social media following might really enjoy. So in regards to even speaking about like a Will Smith and him studying everyone else's lines and having all of that down, with the show, how much of it do you get to put in as your input to the script, right? And how does that kind of flow with the rest of the cast? Well, I think it's important for people to realize that when you play a character, a little bit of yourself comes out in every character. Mm -hmm. So when a person casts you for a role, they don't ca unless you're playing unless you're doing a biopic or you're playing someone like a, a character of someone, they cast you because you fit what they wanted in that role. So one 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 thing I've learned is one of the best critiques you can give an actor is, oh, that's just Deval being Deval. That means that I'm being natural in the moment, and you can believe those moments on television. Um, in in this case, with with playing the role of Zach, um, I get to be the comedic relief on the show. Yes. So I get to ad lib a little bit. I get to add a little bit of myself. Nice. Um, I in, I inputted that he's from Brooklyn because I wanted the character to have a little bit of a Brooklyn swag. So Tyler gives me that leeway, you know, and he allows me to do that within the the scope of the script as long as I'm telling the story is good. So I get a chance to flex my comedic muscle, which is what I always wanted to do, kind of like Will, like Martin, like Jamie mm -hmm. Fox. So it, it's it's fun in that time, and you know, and hopefully I, I get my own spinoff at some point. I get my own TV show. Yeah, for sure. I see it. I see it in the future. And I mean, there you go. That's what I'm talking about, dope. That's what I'm talking about. Put it in the air. That's ear. what I'm talking about. It's, it's out there. It's out there in the universe now. It's, it's happening. There. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, one of the big things is it's definitely called Sisters, right? And it's to show that the focus is on this journey of these, these women. But, you know, you're there, you're Zach. And I think overwatching from season one into season two, we've definitely seen more Zach. So just from. So I could understand even more of how TV really works. How do the writers then choose, all right, this character, we might need to kind of change and put this character here and there. Is it based off of just fans' reactions? Is it the team Zach hashtags? Are they counting this stuff nowadays? Because you made it, right? You're here on a show, but how do they pick you out in certain cases? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly how much social media goes into the to the play, but I do know this for a fact. Every time a show goes from season one to season two, there's always an expansion of characters. And we either learn about, we learn more about characters that existed in a, an ancillary position, or they introduce new characters. And in my case, I guess they decided to highlight my character this, this season for whatever reason. I'm not sure if it is social media, or if, if they like my performance, or if that was always the plan. But um, I will say this. I'm very appreciative of all the people who continue to support and hashtag uh, Team Zach. That can only help not only with, you know, the writing, but also other opportunities, you know, because there's other producers who watch and say, you know what? They like this guy. What mm -hmm. is it about this guy that everybody likes? So I will give the power to the people. I will give the nod to them and say, listen, if y'all really want to see more Zach or more anybody, if y'all talk about it, that's what's going to happen. Nice. Right. Nice. The people have that power. We've seen so many situations where shows have a character that gets killed off too early and people 
protest. You family guy. Brian the dog was killed <laughs> off the show. I don't know why that popped into my head, but they She's killed off the dog. That hurt you. And I was like, what the hell? That why would y'all do that? So they had to bring him back. They brought him back from the dead. That's hilarious. I, the funny thing is, I didn't watch Family Guy. I didn't watch Family Guy, but that's funny. Now, now that makes me want to go see it, though. I want to see they brought this dog back from the dead. That's crazy. I know. I know for a fact, Urkel was the same way. Like Family Matters was about a, a, a middle class Chicago family, and then Steve was supposed to be in two episodes, and then wow, after that, the show was called Urkel. Like people watch Family Matters, but they used to say like, "Yo, watch TV TGIF Urkel coming on." I don't know. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I've I've impressed enough people and I've I've imposed enough of myself on people where they say, you know, we watching Zach. You know, not to take away from the sisters, because the show is called Sisters. And um a show about four black women, you know, trying to navigate life and love and careers is needed in mm-hmm. this day and age. So I definitely don't want to take away from that. But um I'm I'm excited about my opportunities that's coming from this. So thank y'all and everybody who supports. Talking about the show. We done seen last week. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be now two mm-hmm. weeks after the episode with Danny, <laughs> the showers, uh-huh. and the sun yes. Yes. Um, yes. Was that your first time doing a sex scene for TV or no. film? No. It's not. It, it wasn't. wasn't. He got no, joints now. I am. Um, no, you got bodies? I actually, I, I, <laughs> So, so this was um, number season one. I had I had did two sex scenes with Karen, but it wasn't as explicit as this sex scene. Right um, on right on the I'm gonna give y'all an exclusive on the series bigger. I come back in season two, and in season two, you know I'm, I'm recurring and I have you know a love scene with my my co star. But this was the most intense love scene I've ever had in in on TV history for myself. This was the most intense. Just and, um, the character set up for it. Like we we kind of had this whole thing because I watch, I watch the show. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic mm-hmm. between the two of you was always like she's kind of like trying to throw you the hints, but you was like, all right, sis. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of you right, know, right, right. friend zoned her. So right. for this to happen, I think what made it different is because the audience wanted to see this for a very long time. And the way it played out, it was like, yes, hallelujah, kind of moment. Well, I mean, no. Well, me, me and Fatima always had a sexual chemistry. Danny was, that was season one. That was when I was the best. When she She's my best friend. She was my homegirl. And that that didn't happen because Danny ended up with Rodeo. But um, me and Fatima, there was always a sexual chemistry there. And that happened before. But this was the first time that it happened to this extent. Like, I feel like this is one of the few relationships you see on TV that's not, like, toxic. like. She's a, she's a black woman in a position of power who's trying to empower a black man who's been convicted of a crime in the past and just trying to get his life together. And I think that it's exciting for people because they're like, wait a minute, this is the first time we see a black woman on TV and she's not talking down to a man. She's not doing this. Like, And when it comes to millennials, we haven't seen this type of relationship since Martin and Gina, since Will and Lisa, since... Uh, uh, Heathcliff, Heathcliff and Claire since Harriet and Carl like if you think about what we grew up on um, sitcoms were not big in our you know in our like young adulthood like so it was all reality TV so reality TV was popping when we were in college and we were in high school and a lot of the relationships were based on toxic situations sure. because that's what was selling 
And even if the relationships weren't toxic, producers made it toxic so that they can sell. And that's the large reason why Kadena and I never went into reality television. We got a, a ton of offers to do reality TV, and we were just like, nah, I'm, I'm just not trying to perpetuate that stereotype. And, and I probably would kill somebody if they misrepresented my family in the True. wrong way. I'm just not, I'm not with that. But um, when I look at Twitter and I see what people say about Fatima and Zach, it's always about, especially men, men are always saying like, it feels good to see a woman just say to him, you know what, you're not where you need to be right now, but I can help you get there and I'm going to rock with you while you do that. I'll hold you down. And it's good to see women on Twitter. Yeah. Women on Twitter saying like, yeah, I would hold my man down like that if he showed me that type of potential. And I'm like, this is real. Like, this this is happens. Like, they don't like to yeah, show it. Mary love. Exactly. You're all I need. It's that you're mm-hmm. all I need love. Like, that's, and I think it's dope. And I feel like that's what people want. It's even, even insecure. And I, I, I can appreciate the struggle a little bit, you know, but insecure was kind of like the opposite. When, when Lawrence was going through his shit, Issa, you know, she cheated. And she's like, yo, I'm out. Like, I can't carry you no more. And then mm-hmm. Lawrence got on his feet. And when he got on his feet, then Issa was like, damn, I want that old thing back. <laughs> and if you understand the history of, of black culture and black love, you can't you can't knock Issa for doing that either. Like if you on your hustle and you out here trying to get it and it seemed like the dude that you with is kind of sitting on his ass. Why am I sitting here carrying you like I need you to get up. So, you know, we, we saw that and we saw that in Insecure. I feel like Zachy Fatima is what people want to envision for themselves. I'm struggling, you struggling. We're going to struggle together, but we're going to empower each other and, and make something great out of it. So I think that's why people love it. Now, now I think people definitely kind of focus on that, that them sexual scenes, right? And I, I got to ask, like, when you think about method acting, right, um, how much do you have to be in that scene to do it? Or do you got to think like basketball, basketball, basketball to kind of even keep it professional? Like how, like how hard is it to do a scene like that? That's, that's funny. Uh, how hard is it? No pun intended. But, um, <laughs> oh, by the so, way, my bad. My kind of messed up because I said Danny thinking Fatima. That was my bad. I was like getting everybody confused. But yeah, that's cool. I meant Fatima. Yeah. That's cool. But no, nah, I, um, you know, I'm naked, she's naked. But I will say this though, right? There's nothing sexy about doing a love scene in a room that's filled with men with cameras and six foot five, 260 pound Tyler Perry screaming, get the light, get move the light to the right, pick her leg up, make sure you get a hit, divide, I can't, you're in the shot. You're, there's nothing sexy oh, about none of that. Like, oh man, people think y'all just be in a room, you know what I'm saying, with hidden cameras. They should don't be hidden. It's, it's, These cameras be like right here and then you got to like hold her up and then you be like, lean this way, get the shot, get the shot. Okay, now kiss, now oh, kiss. Man. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Move. That's not sexy. Think and, about it. And Tyler Perry in the back looking that. like Montel Jordan. 6'5", just... You know what I'm saying? 6'5". <laughs> like, and, and then there's an intimacy coordinator, so there's a woman there present to make sure oh, that wow. everything oh, is... Oh, you know, because Intimacy coordinator. Because the yes, lines can wow. get blurry. Yes, they're necessary so to have. This is why it's important. Very, very necessary, because the patriarchy, the patriarchy has made it that women have been taken advantage of in these situations. With male writers, male directors, they saying, oh, I'm going to write this in here. And you as a, a a female actor have to participate in this scene a certain way wow. or because it's in the script. 
And then there's nobody to to speak up or represent for the young lady in the script. So now they have intimacy coordinators wow. to make sure that no lines are crossed. Um, I'm taped up. Okay. She's taped up. Like oh, there's man. no, it's, it's like not like people think, yeah, it's. It does. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like they, they put it's a band that goes here. It wraps around your joint and it they tuck that strap. joint back. Like it's not. No, oh, it's man. not a jockstrap and oh. it's not comfortable. It's it's really it's painful. That's, and that's why people be like, yeah, it is painful. And and people be like, people be like, oh, I bet you he enjoyed that. Not I at bet all. you she enjoyed that. I'm like, I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. People need to know this. No, for real. Because they also ask K, they be like, "How could how could K put up with that?" I'm like, "I bet you, if I tape my joint up and go in the room right now, K gonna be looking at me like, bro, bro, come on, son. It's not. It's nothing sexy about it, bro. It's not. It's just, it's just not. I'm sorry to burst your bubbles, but the shit ain't sexy. Like, it's not. I'm still stuck on intimacy coordinator. It's a lot going on it's, in that scene to make it happen. Thing. You gotta okay. So understand it's it like lot. this." It's it's to a point where women, speaking for women, women in the, the workplace and stuff like that, and especially in that space where it's creative, so people can take creative liberties and take right. it to places where you might not be 100% comfortable. And sometimes in those moments as a woman, yes, I'm working, but do is it okay if I say I'm uncomfortable? Would I make this uncomfortable for everybody else? So there mm. needs to be that somebody there to go, sis, you okay? That intermediary. Boom. Boom. I I I'm I like the way you I like the way you explain that because I'm gonna give you an example, right? We're doing the sex scene. Every move you seen in that sex scene was scripted and practiced prior to getting there. So you won't ever, you won't ever see. Someone just randomly grab a boob and be like, oh, I was in the moment. Wow. Because because when people are taking creative liberties over someone else's body, mm. it's easy to say, oh, I, I lost myself in the passion of being a method actor. Yeah. So I just put my fingers in her cooch. <laughs> no, you're not doing none of that, bro. <laughs> All of this stuff is practice and rehearse. Okay. And you have writers and you have waivers. I don't feel comfortable being touched here. I don't want to be licked here. I don't mm. want to be caressed here. I'm only comfortable showing this and showing that. And and I'm gonna be honest, as a man, I feel protected because that's there. Yes. Because no one will ever come back and say Deval took advantage of me in this situation. You know, what I'm saying? if I'm a creep, if I'm a creep, maybe I'm pissed about it. But since I'm not a creep, and I never want anyone to ever come back and be like, "Oh, Deval took advantage of his creative liberties during the sex scene," I'm be like, "No, you can't say that." Because all of the stuff that we did, there was an intimacy coordinator there. You approved everything. We rehearsed it. So you can kick rocks with that. So I I love having an intimacy coordinator. I mean, in, in that same note, did people overreact when Lala did her thing and they were thinking about Mello? Is it? The, I mean, do you think that that was an overreaction from... Listen, 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 bro. I'm, I'm going to be honest, bro. People people love to hate when women have any liberties over themselves, mm. bro. Like, Lala is a grown woman, right? She's a grown woman. She's an actor, mm-hmm. right? It's part of the craft. At any point, when La, if Lala said she did not feel comfortable about doing something, it would have been taken out, right? At any point, if that's her husband, if she wanted to have that discussion with him, and he says, I don't feel comfortable with you doing that, that's a discussion for them to have and them to say, you know what? We're not going to do this because I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. 
The fact that it was on TV and her as an actor, enjoy the fact that she went to the craft like that. All these people saying like, oh, she disrespected Carmelo. Stop. No. Just stop. Anytime a woman takes liberties over herself, people have issues. There you go. They have issues. Men have been doing sex scenes in TV for a long time. True. A long time. That's how we become sex symbols. I told Kay all the time, I want to be a sex symbol. I take my shirt off every other day because I want to be a sex symbol. Are people going to say I'm disrespecting no, Kay? No. 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 But let Kay show some titties. Let Kay show some titties. People going to be like, I can't believe. Oh, my God. Kadita's showing titties. <laughs> people, them people can kick rocks. People people come at Kay when she take a bikini pic. Like, she took a picture in a, in a bathing suit one time. And people they came in my DM saying, this is what your wife is doing. I'm like, bro, I'm like, bro. People oh, really think they have liberties to do anything and say anything because they feel like they know you on social media. People are weird. No, I, I will say this, though, right? As, as a, a quote-unquote celebrity, because that's what you, when you have a certain amount of followers, you consider a celebrity, right? You're a celebrity, but bro. But celebrities have to realize, too, when... I'll, I'll receive it. There you I'll go. receive it. I don't think so. I was standing next to Diddy. I was standing next to Diddy and Jay-Z. Them niggas are celebrities to me. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um... When you, when you put your life out there and you ask people to support you in your endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. Those same people who are willing to spend their money to support you, they're entitled to give their opinion about the things that you put out there. You can't then be mad because people have opinions about what you put out. You put True. out there. Th- those are the same people that you saying, yo, spend $20 and buy a hoodie. You know, buy, buy my T-shirts, um, watch my show. You know what I'm saying? True. Watch my show. Do this. Do that. Those same people that's going to spend money to support me, I embrace your opinion. I may not agree with it. True. And you're going to have to deal with the fact that I don't agree with your opinion and I may not listen to you. But I can I can embrace the fact that you have one and you're entitled to one as long as you continue to support. And I'm not mad if people who disagree with me. Like, I'm like... You disagree with me, you disagree with me. I disagree with a lot of people, but it is what it is. Now... Disagreeing with me and giving me an opinion and attacking my children or attacking my wife, those are different things. Those are weirdos. Those those are, those are weirdos. And those are people that you got to watch out for. But someone who just says Let's that they don't clear. agree with something. Yeah, someone who just says they don't agree with what I'm doing. All right. That's cool. Like, okay. So, K want to show some titties in the show and you don't agree with it? Okay, I had a, a shower scene. You don't agree with me being married and having a shower scene? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna do another one in go. two weeks. So <laughs> get ready. <laughs> you watching? I appreciate it. <laughs> get ready to episode 18. <laughs> so, with that being said, it's how is Kay in terms of like, okay, y'all sit down. New episodes of Sisters coming on, and boom, shower scene, like. You've had this conversation, like, y'all are cool in terms of, like, okay, being completely transparent. Like, how does that break down for you guys in terms of keeping it open and honest, but understanding it's just work? Um, It's it's two things. The first thing is I always tell Kay, so she's never, excuse me, caught off guard. There's never a moment where she's going to be watching TV and say, I didn't know this is what was happening. You know, this is this is my life partner. This is someone who is going to be sharing everything with me until the day I die. So if anyone's going to know about something, it's going to be her first. That's number one. Number two, I make sure that she knows the process. 
She and I both know about my my nudity writer. She knows about the intimacy coordinator. She knows what the scene is going to look like. She also knows that my shit is going to be taped and tucked. So she knows, like, she's not she's not worried. Like, she, yeah, she she knows for a fact that this is not a time for me to accidentally sleep with someone else. Like, she knows what it is. And when you understand the process as an actor, it's kind of like, I'm not really concerned you know, it's not the 90s anymore. People ain't just randomly having sex in the middle of a scene and filming it. Like, that's not... It's, times have changed. I'm going to tell you one funny thing, man. Um, I think you were probably in ATL Tape D, and I went over to CK and Jackson, um, and I'm sitting in the living room, and she's literally telling Mrs. Joseph, yeah, yeah, D got his sex scene today, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just so regular. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, what? I guess she, like, she just chilling with it, but she knew about the tape. I didn't know about the taping, the tape tape. <laughs> nah, she, nah, she, um, I, I think in part two, she, K's, we, me and K been together since 18. Yeah. So she knows what I want to do with my life. So when yeah. you love someone so much that you, you get excited about seeing them live their dream, Nothing can get in the way of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's watching me live my dream. So she's just excited for me no matter what it is, especially since I include her in everything. I don't know if you guys see, but my co-stars come here all the time. Like, there has to be a a, a transparent moment where, okay, this is my love interest for this season. We got 25 episodes. We're going to be spending three weeks together on campus. I need you to know what it is. She needs to know what it is. Because when when you have that type of cohesion in, in a group of people that work together, there's no miscommunication. There's no why is she looking at you like that. You know, you can reach out and, and call her and ask her. And I got nothing to hide. So since I don't got nothing to hide, I'm like, good, y'all talk. I don't care. Yeah. I don't, I really don't, like, one thing I am not worried about is is a scandal because my family is too important to me. My wife is too important to me. My kids are too important to me. Like, um, I really just want to be great at what I do. And I don't want anything else to get in the way of me ascending to heights beyond what I imagined as a kid. And I know a scandal can do that. I know drugs and alcohol can do that. I, I like There's certain things I just don't want to be involved mm-hmm. with. And that's one of them. Since we're already talking about Kay, um, mm-hmm. let's talk about dead ass. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. are having public couples therapy right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how has that impacted your growth as a relationship? And I, I made I want to make sure I, I say growth because we as an audience do see the change in dynamic in terms of you guys have become stronger. Like that energy exudes. Yeah. So like. You know, how did Deadass come about? Was it a conversation over dinner? You guys always wanted to do a podcast, but the timing wasn't right. Like, how did that come about? Yo, real talk, I had no idea about podcasts at all. I had none at all. And um, I was doing the videos, like I said before, Kay and I were doing the videos and we were having our scripted marriage arguments for 60 seconds because that was part of the scenario that I wanted to build for the social sitcom. And underneath the comments, some some videos have 4,000, 6,000, 8,000 comments. And my manager at the time was just like, yo, this would be a dope podcast. And I was just like, what is a podcast? And then they explained to me how it works. And then I was just kind of like, well, Kadeen does want to get into TV, but she wants to be a daytime TV host. And part of the problem is, is that when you're a woman, people automatically go to what you look like. And I said, we, we will never be able to get people to pay attention to how intelligent Kay is if they're only looking at her mm-hmm. first. 
So I was like, you know, so I was like, let's use this podcast to discuss the things that we're talking about in these videos. And um, we ended up uh, doing a deal with Stitcher. That was two years ago. Tiffany, shout out to T-Square. She actually came to us with the idea. She said, I can build it like this. She helped us uh, produce it, helped us put everything together. Like she was very uh, instrumental. In, and we were actually the first all black podcast to be done on Stitcher at that time. And um, it, it has been good for us because, like I said, early in our marriage, we were doing marriage all wrong because we had these preconceived notions of what marriage was supposed to be. We had all these archaic ideas of what a wife and what a husband was supposed to be. And the one thing we kept saying to each other was, if someone would have told me in the beginning of my marriage what to look out for and what not to do, we would have been better spouses early on. So we were like, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just take time to reflect on the mistakes that we made in early in our marriage? And hopefully we can help some people. And then through that, we, we continue to grow because we can speak out loud and also listen to what people are saying. And, um, you know, there's some challenges with that, because, of course, when you're speaking about mistakes that you made in your marriage, people want to take that and take that one thing that you said and make that what your marriage is about. But that's that, that's part for the course that comes with anybody. You, you know, you have a podcast. Y'all know what it is. If you say one thing, people want to take that one thing that you said and wrap it. And say, this is what she is. Mm -hmm. This is what Blue is. And it's like, you took one piece out of a, a, a piece. So I, I, um, I've learned to take the good with the bad. But sure. this is my ministry. This is Kay's ministry. Like, I, we don't have a church home where we can go and speak to young people. So this is how we speak to the masses. And hopefully we help people along the way. Beautiful. Let me tell you, I get brownie points with my family because they they follow you guys like hardcore. So like, <laughs> you know them? I'm like, yeah, I went to college with them. Yeah, I was in high school. What you saying? <laughs> like they, I get brownie points because my family is so family oriented. I mean, I mean, I'm not married, but most of my cousins are married. So they mm -hmm. see somebody in our age group that is just preaching in terms of, yo, this is what marriage should look like. It's not about our marriage and we're, we're goals. Mm -hmm. The goals is being transparent. The goals is being super mm -hmm. family oriented. Family comes first. And us millennials need to learn and realize that and figure out how to do it as a millennial. So like, well, live, live. yeah, live. You've known me since high since college. It would be unfair for me right at 36 years old now for people to see how my family is now and say, this is DeVal and this is how I've been since 18. It would be unfair for me to put that expectation on any man for a woman to say, how come you can't be like DeVal? Because mm -hmm. that's what a lot of men get. A lot of men be like, how come you can't be like DeVal? So what happens is I don't mind telling people about the things I did and the mistakes I made when me and Kay were first together so that when young people get into relationships, they can say, you know what? He may not be where I want him to be now, but if he grows and I grow together, we can grow to build something dope. And I feel like that was important. Liv, you know me in college. I was not always like this. I was not always this transparent. I was not always this honest. I was, I was selfish. I was egotistical. I had a big head. I had a lot of insecurities because I was trying to find myself. And I feel like a lot of these people who be like, dang, you know, I, w I would want to devour. It's like, but would you want to devour when he was 18? Would you want to mm. devour when he was 20? Mm. Would you want to devour when he was 25? Because Kay dealt with all of those versions of devour. He was trying to stick it out. Like, we, we you saw remember. it. Yeah. You remember. <laughs> I have to. We saw it. 
And not <laughs> it was not. Like it, it wasn't easy. Yeah, it wasn't easy. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. It wasn't easy. And I wasn't. I wasn't the the, the greatest guy all the time. Y'all and was I'm partying. To admit Let me that. tell you, y'all, y'all, the football players was partying regularly. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 <laughs> but no. C Square Chronicles. C Square Chronicles. Relax. Listen, I'm not going. I would be lying if I sat here and said that I was the ideal husband at 18. And I was the ideal boyfriend. Like, it's just unfair to to put that expectation on anybody. Because you know what also happens to women? Women who get with a guy who's not perfect in the beginning start to feel like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Why don't I deserve to be with someone who is who is that that mature at this point? And then they start to to project all of other people's issues on themselves. And rather than saying, you know what, this person needs to grow up, they say, what's wrong with me? So I personally feel like it's unfair for people to feel like, okay, Kay got this guy now who is loving and mature and is attentive. And what did Kay do to deserve all of this from 18? I was not this guy always. Yeah. I had to learn. Like, I, And I'm, I'm honest in saying I just didn't know. I wasn't being an asshole on purpose. I really didn't know. I didn't even know I was being an asshole. I just thought I was living my life. It's it's crazy because I mean, you know, like like you guys, right? Me and my wife Tia, we we've been together forever. And I think it's the same type of situation. Mm-hmm. You have younger couples that are like, yeah, I want to be like, yo, we went through some stuff. And I think that's the thing. You yep. you guys like you're on such a like you're on social media heavy. You're on TV heavy. Everyone sees you guys together. Everyone's like couple goals. And I think you address it straight out. And I, I love that because you kind of tell them, hey, you see couple goals, but there's different things that make you guys couple goals. The stuff you're going through. I've heard you say that. It's the fight yes. that you fight through in your relationships that make you yes. couple goals too. So don't just look at us, but look at yourself and your relationship and your situation and your couple goals too. That's an important message. Bro, and, and I that's that's a huge message because people don't People want to put people on pedestals and idolize someone for being perfect. And the minute they make a mistake, it's like, oh, they can no longer be, you know, a couple goals. For example, remember, I remember when Jay-Z and Beyonce were a couple goals. Mm-hmm. And then Beyonce dropped Lemonade album and people found out that Jay-Z cheated on, cheated on Beyonce. And out of nowhere, it's just like, oh, how could Jay-Z cheat on Beyonce? How could this happen? How could that happen? And it's just like, listen, they are humans like everybody else. When people are dating and people are learning to live with someone for the rest of their life, people are going to make choices. And, and th- there's my thing. I don't ever say that I made mistakes in my life. I made choices. I made selfish choices. I made choices that were for me at the time. I made choices that I thought would be for the betterment of us that I found out now that maybe that wasn't a good idea. But my perspective was was viewed and it was skewed because I was young mm-hmm. and, and I was narrow minded. But I'm willing now to admit that those choices are part of the reason why Kay and I have a strong foundation. You know, I, I don't want to ever shy away from letting people know that relationships are going to have ups and downs, you know? Now, that don't mean you stay in a toxic situation and you let someone beat on you or you let someone abuse you, whether it mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, That doesn't mean that you let someone just take advantage of you financially. But what I'm saying is that if you know that you chose someone who's ultimately going to choose you every morning and y'all are working to be better, work through whatever obstacles come through. That's That's my ministry for people. Don't expect someone to come to you, this ideal person, and the minute they mess up, you like, nope, I got to find someone else because you ain't going to find that. And then you're going to start feeling like, well, what's wrong with me? How come I don't deserve? And that's not just a woman thing. 
Men do that too. I got homeboys who are single and be like, yo, man, how come I can't find my Michelle? Mm. How come I can't find my Michelle Obama? Read, oh, read Barack Obama's book. Mm. Read his book about how much Michelle put up with in, in his early 20s and how he did not know who he was mm. and how he kept lying and making decisions for himself selfishly. Mm. It had nothing to do with infidelity, but how many selfish decisions he made that kind of forced her to put her career on the on the sideline and, and ask yourself mm. if you would be willing to, to be with a Barack Obama in mm. his 20s. Not President Barack Obama. I'm talking about the Barack Obama who was into drugs and alcohol and trying to figure out if he really wanted to be a lawyer. Ask yourself. You know what I'm saying? Ask yourself if you want to deal with that Michelle. When I feel like you're yelling at me right now. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, like I ain't putting up with that. <laughs> don't feel attacked, Liv. Liv, don't feel attacked, Liv. Don't feel attacked. Okay, okay. I'm don't. gonna let it go. But yeah, I, I hear don't. you. I hear don't you. Feel I feel attacked. I hear you. Yeah. But, yo, I'm I mean, don't. in all this, all this therapy, it's it showed this strength, but are there ever moments where like right after the show, you and Kay get into it? Cause I, yo, something came up that you might have not even knew a detail mm-hmm. and it's come out for the first time. Does it ever cause Hell like, yeah? Uh oh, <laughs> absolutely. That, that happens all the time. But but here's the thing, though. Stuff like that don't only happen on the show when we film in the show. Stuff like that happens at home. Like before I got on this, me and Kay were at the table having dinner by ourselves because dinner is important to us. We were at the table having dinner by ourselves, talking about what our dreams are for the next five years. Asking us like, what what is it do you want out of life? What is it that you didn't get out of the first 10 years of this marriage that you think that you want? And we having this conversation, me and her, and she's saying some things and I'm saying some things. And she's like, well, what the fuck? Why you ain't say that? And I'm like, what are you getting an attitude for? I'm just being honest. I, at the time, I didn't know that. I, I didn't even know how to say it. But now I'm saying it. And, but these things happen like, right, yo, yo, y'all already know Kay Jamaican too. She's Jamaican, oh, yeah. so she, her mouth get crazy. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes it get heated in here. Then the kids po- poke their head out from around the corner and they just like, everything, everything all right in here? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, go to Mimi now. Go to Mimi. And like this, that stuff happens in, in this house first. So when it happens at the show, you see our producers. We'll be, have, we'll be doing a podcast. Then we start arguing during the podcast or after the podcast. And the producers just be like, just another Tuesday on Deadass. Like they, they don't even, they so used to it. Like they. But you're good. You're good by Wednesday. Oh yeah, we good about yeah. Wednesday because one one thing I will tell you is that nothing makes your sex life better than arguing. <laughs> I knew it was going to go there. In the day. Like, <laughs> yo, when you argue early in the day, but you get out how you really feel, and then you can look at her and you could be like, you know what? What you said triggered me early, and I got mad, but I could respect what you're saying because at least at least I know there's now. no tape. Yeah, there's you no know what I'm saying. The there's no tape. There's nothing to hold me down right now. <laughs> There's nothing to hold me down. So I nothing taped up. So you're going to get this poke right now. So come here. Shut all that up. Shut all that talking up. No scripts. Yeah. Talk to me nice. No scripts. Talk to me nice, baby. Talk to me nice. That's that's what happens here. You know, that's how we got all these kids. Like, honestly, I'm stuck. I I, got to ask you, man. Like, with the podcast, it, it created another really stream for you right it's another business yeah. for you yeah. so what have you yeah. learned more about business by going into just another field to add to your collection 
Um, I've learned that ownership has more value than a dollar, right? So let me tell y'all a little quick tip, bro. We left Stitcher to go to iHeartRadio. And we left Stitcher to go to iHeartRadio because iHeartRadio was giving us a bigger bag, number one. But they were also giving us ownership. Like, this is ours. Like, we get to own the name, own the rights, own everything. But with that comes a lot more responsibility. So we had to produce everything on our own. We had to pay for our own staff. We had to do all of that. And initially, you know, when you think about they give you a bigger bag, there's also more expenses that come with that bigger bag. But I've learned in business, when you own something like this, you can make money through perpetuity. You know what I'm saying? So say, for example, the podcast is doing okay now. We're making money. Like, we're making very good money doing our podcast right now. But granted, five years from now, I become an A-list movie star. And my podcast from years ago blow up because of my celebrity now. If someone else owned the right to that stuff, I can't make money off of it. They can. You know what I'm saying? They can take my my platform and put it on another platform. They can take my content, put it on another platform and make money. Yeah. We've seen that with Chappelle. I that. I'd rather... Yeah. I mean, he, he fixed that. He, he was lucky he enough to have the power the of the people. The people... Absolutely. Him. So he was Talk able to fix live. that, but he wouldn't have been able to fix that if that wasn't a case. <clears throat> No, you, you, one thing I, I've learned is you have to learn how to play the long game. You know, they try to distract you in the beginning by throwing a little bit of money at you to make you feel comfortable. And um, I don't know if you ever heard this saying, but good is the enemy of great, right? If, if you go through life feeling like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, you ain't going to never be great at mm. nothing because you're always going to be good. And the powers that be, the gatekeepers, always want to keep you good. Yo, let's make sure the talent is good. If the talent is good... We got control. Mm. I have been, I've learned to become comfortable being uncomfortable so that I can be great at something. So every everything you see now with the podcast, every little piece of production, I got my hands on it. Is it a little bit more of a headache? Yes. yes. Is um is it take more time? Does it cost more money? Yes. But at the end of the day, it's mine. I can pass it down to my kids. I can make my son an executive producer on my podcast. And when I die, if I become this super legend and people are listening to my podcast for years and years, my kids can make money off of that. It, it doesn't go to Stitcher. It, it doesn't go to iHeartRadio. It is going to be mine. And I've learned that ownership of anything, my video content, my podcast, my books, even my book. I got offers to do a bunch of book deals with big publishers, but I, I self-published my children's book with a, with a small black publisher from East New York, Brooklyn. Shout out Brooklyn. Up, Shout out uh, McBride. There you go. Shout out McBride, Hedrick McBride. Um, I self-published with him and we own it. We own it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's ours. We did that together and I did that. We were about to bring up that. We were about to bring up the book next. Like I'm so glad you brought that up. Like what was the inspiration behind that? It's funny. My son was the inspiration about me starting social media. Remember? Jackson, once again, was my inspiration with starting the book. Jackson came to me last year after Armand Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. We were watching the Lakers about to start up again because the restart was happening. And LeBron James was wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Naomi Osaka had just won the uh, the U.S. Open. Oh, no, she had just started the U.S. Open, and she was wearing the mask with the names. And he's asked me the most profound question. He said, Daddy, why do we even have to say Black Lives Matter? Don't everybody know that? 
And I was like, wow, bro. Like, that's a profound question. But no, everybody don't know that. And then it made me realize, like, based on him going to school, he's not under, he's not learning black history. He's, he's not even learning American history. Crazy. He's learning a whitewashed version of history that's going to make people feel comfortable about American history. So I decided that I didn't want to teach him bigotry. I didn't want to teach him hatred. I just want to teach him facts. So I started from 1619 and I went from slavery to black codes to uh, the lynchings. I went to um, what I go to redlining. I went to Jim Crow, mass incarceration, the war on drugs. I went through everything in American history that showed him that black lives have never mattered in this country. And the biggest thing is this. We came in this country in 1619. This country was founded and become free from Great Britain in 1776. When those founding fathers wrote the Constitution, black people were considered property and three-fifths of a human being. Mm. So how could we ever matter if we weren't even considered human? From the foundation. And that's just a fact, bro. Like, that's not, that's not an opinion. That's not me saying, oh, white people don't like us. This is a fact. When this country was founded in 1776... Black people were already enslaved and considered three-fifths of a human being and considered property. So every rule, every law, any legislation created for this country was not created for black people because we have never mattered. So since then, even when we were freed in 1865 and they went to the Vagrancy Act and they decided that, you know what, we're going to free all the slaves. But if you don't know how to read or write or own property, then you're considered a vagrant, which is a criminal. And the 13th Amendment says what? Slavery is illegal unless you're guilty of a crime. So now what you did was you criminalized being black in America so that you can continue to imprison us. Then you started convict leasing. What's convict leasing? Anyone who's a prisoner has to go work for public institutions for free. That's slavery by another name. Yep. Then you ended convict leasing and you started mass incarceration using the war on drugs. You militarized the police force and you show people that, you know what? Let's put all these police in these black communities. Let's make crack cocaine a felony, even though powder cocaine was in this country way before crack cocaine, and make all the laws for crack cocaine way higher than powder cocaine. Mm. And then you militarize our communities, and then you mass incarcerate our people. Once again, criminalizing the black experience, making us what? Criminals, slaves. Mm. And I, I explained all of this to my son, and Jackson was crying, yeah. and he was like, why? Yeah. And I had to explain to him the truth. Like, America is a capitalist country built during the Industrial Revolution on the backs of slaves. We became a world power, Americans did, through slavery. Slavery was all about cheaper talent, cheaper mm. workers. You want to you maximize your dividends, you want to maximize your margins, you get cheap labor. And they, they need cheap labor in order to continue to be a superpower. So they use black people and they criminalize us and they marginalize us and they disenfranchise us to be able to keep being a superpower. That is a fact. Nobody can argue with me about that. It doesn't. I don't want to hear any Republicans say that systemic racism doesn't exist. That's all a lie. It is the facts. It's, they criminalize us so that they can make money. I explained this to my son, and he understood it. And I feel like I did him a solid because now he understands what goes on in this country. So when things happen, he's a little bit more prepared. When he comes across a cop or an authority figure and they're acting funny, He's not caught off guard like, hey, we're all equal. No, he understands the history of this country. I know I'm a black kid, so I know how you view me. I know what your purpose is. Call my dad. Mm. I'm not talking to you. I'm not going to argue with you. Call my pops. 
That's and that's ultimately what made me want to write this children book because I wanted to arm him with the tools to be able to understand why racism exists in this country. And I wanted to be able to give it to everybody, not just black kids, not just white kids or Hispanic kids. I want everybody to live in this country to understand the difference between model minorities and black people. And why we have to say black lives matter and why the whole people of color thing tends to get black people pissed because we have been targeted since the dawn of civilization. And we have to continue to say black lives matter because of the way this country's built. Yeah. And I still feel like, you know, there's so many people that still don't believe or understand why we have to say it so much. Um, I mean, you've been on good morning America. You've been live with Stephen A. Smith, Mm -hmm. you know, just stating your purpose of the book, as well as saying why it's so important for us to keep saying Black Lives Matter. Have you received any backlash from being so hard-hitting with your stance? Um, right As of right now, no. I haven't seen, received any backlash, but I will say this. I've lost a couple people on, on Instagram who've unfollowed me, who, you know, who's, you know, who says that, um, oh, I used to like you because you were funny. You know, this isn't funny anymore. And I realized that some of those people who were following me just wanted to laugh at me. You know, they, they, they didn't want to hear my truth or my pain. They just wanted me to be uh, entertainment for them. And it's cool that you unfollow. I don't really give a shit because you really want to follow me for the right reasons anyway. But um, I do also understand that um, covert racism is runs a lot deeper in this country than overt racism. And I may not feel the effects of it now, but as my star continues to grow, there may be some people who don't want to work with me because they don't like my messaging. And I'm cool with that. One thing about ownership is that you could never... You can never stop me from providing for my family because I own my content. I never feel like I have to be, quote unquote, a slave to any industry because I make my own money. So if if people want to not hire me or not work with me or or feel like I'm too hard nosed when it comes to certain topics, then they can kiss my ass. Like, I really don't care. Like, I've, I've watched so many powerful black men choose this way. And continue to be who they wanted to be because of it. And and I thought I'd rather follow in those footsteps than follow behind someone who just straddles the fence, mm-hmm. you know, and, and is never an ally to the people who support him the most. Because one thing I'll tell you about black people, black people support me. Black people support me. So I'm not I'm never going to turn my back on, on black people like that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's it, man. As, as we shouldn't, as especially in these mm-hmm. times especially with what everything that transpired and we're just focusing on May through August, September of 2020, just within that time frame of what we experienced as black people, like there shouldn't be anybody to say anything when a black person with a platform speaks out on racism in this country. Well, I mean, it's, it's always going to be an issue because Anyone who speaks up for black empowerment is considered a, a target. They're considered a, a detriment to America. They're considered a detriment to white supremacy. And um, if you look at during the, during the 60s, right, um, did you guys watch Judas and the Black Messiah? I haven't watched yes. it yet. I got to get yes. to it. Listen, when you get an opportunity to watch Judas and the Black Messiah, or if you're even staying up on what's happening with the Malcolm X case and how now the NYPD and the FBI, they're now having officers who admitted that they were involved in a conspiracy to assassinate uh, Malcolm X. It shows you that if you speak up for black empowerment, even if you don't speak up for violence, if you just speak up for black empowerment, 
you become public enemy number one. Mm. That's just, it's never going to be accepted in this country because the vast majority of the people in power, now this is important, not the vast majority of people, but the vast majority of the people in power, the 1%, are still older white men who grew up in a time where black people were second-class citizens, do not want to hear us speak about our own empowerment. Because what that does is that challenges their way of life. And if it challenges their way of life and they have to accept this rhetoric, they have to accept like, damn, I have been given an advantage living here because of my whiteness and my maleness. And then once you admit that, you have to put things in place to change it. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to find vehicles and find ways to try to eliminate those people who speak like that. And this this is they, this is white supremacy 101. People worry about the KKK, but there was another group and it was filled with white women who went to all the schools in the South, right? And got them to change the curriculum to obliterate all of the heinous things that white Americans have done to black people in this country. It's the sister. I can't remember it. It's pissing me off. I can't remember it, but I'm going to find it. I'm going to let you guys know it's the sisterhood of something. But they actually went to all of the school boards and they controlled the curriculum in the country. That's why all of the textbooks are whitewashed, mm. because they eliminated all of the things that showed blatant white supremacy. For example, the simple fact in, in Texas now that they don't talk about slavery is called indentured servitude. Crazy. Like, are you kidding me, Crazy. Bro? Like, Crazy. are you kidding? Like, th- these are the things that's happening, and it's been happening for hundreds of years. Like, it's, it's been happening for hundreds, and I don't think it's ever going to stop happening. Listen, I, I hope that if there's one thing my kids learn in, in my lifetime is that as long as you own your own stuff and you're willing to go, you know, step out front and be on the front lines to push your own meshes, no one can control you. They can try. They can try to hurt you. But as long as you continue to step out front and you keep your message the same and you represent for the people who support you, they cannot control you. And then Dave Chappelle showed us the best. And I'm always going to lean on, on him. Tyler Perry. Like people can say what they want to say about Tyler Perry, but that man is a billionaire. And he only placates to his black audience. He don't do stuff for white people. He don't. Only for mm. us. That's it. It's for us. And he, he don't ever get recognized at award shows, the Emmys, the, the, the Oscars. He never gets, he never gets not nominated. He never gets uh, represented or, or awarded. But you know, he don't care. You know what he does? He continues to build, bring in his money, and pay it forward. That man has paid for so many people to buy property and go to college, and he does it without anybody knowing. Like, he's not in, in the forefront saying, look at me, look at what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm there at the studio, so I see it. Like, I'm there. Like, I, I, I'm speaking to the grips. I'm speaking to people, and I'm hearing the stories about, yeah, Tyler gave me my down payment for my first house. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, don't, don't say anything. They don't want, you know, he, doesn't, he don't want people talking about it, but yeah, he gave me my down payment. He, you know, he just asked me, Bro, and, I, and I'm like, people people be trying to bash Tyler Perry, but he's really putting his money where his mouth is. Like, he's really doing things for people. And and he he's one of the main people that told me, D, it's all about ownership. That's why I do the things I do for people. That's why I do the things I do for people, because if, if more black people own land, we can control our own sovereign nation. Like, we can have our own nation and we can do things for each other. And I'm like, see, that that gave me a vision to do things bigger than just making money for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really what all of this is for. Like, I want to be able to create something that people remember, you know, way beyond when I'm going. And, and, and probably not even, even thinking about what he's doing 
with, you know, creating Tyler Perry Studios and I mean, from the jump, the Medea series uh, in, at the Beacon Theater and doing theater tours with Medea and, and building from there and building his own TV shows and now building his own studio where he has a plethora of, of different shows and movies, you know, understanding mm-hmm. the rotation of the black dollar with that. Yes. The black people are yes. seeing these faces and they're investing in it. And he's able to provide this equity for these black faces that you're seeing. So now he's inspiring you to do the same thing and we're See, continuing the rotation said, of Liv, the black dollar. Liv. Yeah. Now, Liv, what what you what you just said is so important, right? Because they I think they did a study of how long the black dollar lasts in the black community. And I think it was it was something like the black dollar lasts, I think it was five percent as long in the black community as it does in any other community. Right. And I think they gave an example, especially with with everything that's going on now, with with the government saying that they were going to pay reparations to black people. Right. And they were saying, you know why people don't care about giving black people reparations? You know what black people are going to do with that money? Give it right back to other communities. Because if we don't if we don't own anything, we pay rent here. We buy foreign clothes here. We buy foreign cars. If we get money, the first thing we're going to do is stunt and give that money back. But I'm telling you, when I'm at Tyler Perry Studios and I am watching all of these black people and all of these young black actors and these extras and these grips and these producers and these hair and makeup and the security, these are all black people who now this money Tyler Perry gets, he pays all of them. He pays all of them and a lot of them who, if they're good people, he will give them a bonus and help them and be like, yo, you know, like, you're looking to buy a house, how much? That's, that's, and that's, right. you don't get that everywhere. <laughs> like, you don't no, you don't. Nowhere. Like, and, and he owns, bro, his studio, his studio is larger than all the major movie studios in the country combined. Bigger than Warner Brothers, bigger than Paramount. Big, like he's big, all of them is bigger than all of them. It's like Disney World, bro. It's amazing to be there. I'm telling you, anybody who's anybody, if you are about black empowerment, come to Tyler Perry Studios and just see what it is. It's ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous, yo. You can tour it? Um, um, I got to find out if they do tours there, but I know at one point they were doing tours when they first opened up, but I know COVID kind of shut things down. But you might cry. Like you seriously, because he also built, he built it right by the airport in the hood, like that part of Atlanta. And, and he did it on purpose. He said he built it there so that those people in those areas can look up and see. This is this is Fort McPherson. This was once a Confederate army base, a Confederate army base that was owned by white people to stop black people from being free slaves is now owned by one black man. Like, I wish more people knew that. I mean, you're saying it now and people will hear this episode, but like. That needs to be proclaimed from the rooftops. Like, do y'all need to understand what yes. you're seeing here, what you're experiencing, yes. what you're witnessing? Crazy. And they would support so much harder. Now, one big thing, too, is that, you know, as we speak about, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And he's created a way to work through it, right? While we're hearing about Hollywood being shut down, right? Here's a this place that you speak of where people can still make art. So what was it like even recording through the pandemic and what is it like now? What is the vibe there since it's the place to be to record anything right now? Um, and I'm, I'm trying to remain humble in my blackness, right? 
But the whole entire industry was waiting for us to film this season to see how it was going to get done. SAG did not give anybody any approvals to work on any series. We were the first series to go back to filming. Now, um, Zendaya and um, John David Washington did film Malcolm and Marie before we filmed, but that was a two man, you know, two people in a home. It was different than 350 people coming to set to film a series. So we were the first series to go back. And after we were approved, then SAG started to approve everyone else. But let's, let's be honest. And this is where I say I'm trying to be humble in my blackness, right? Why are most of the inventions in this country done by black people? You want to know why? Black people always had to do the work. We were the slaves. We, we, we created shit to make shit easier for us. <laughs> but why, why did a black man create the cotton gin? Because we had to pick the fucking cotton. And they call it ghetto. It's always ghetto until a white person... You see, I'm glad you said that, Liv, because it's always ghetto until a white person gets it, puts a bow on it, and then it's amazing. Then it's brilliant. No, black people have always been innovative. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is who we are. Being a part of that, I had so much pride last season doing this series because I'm like, yo... When they go back in history and talk about who was the first production to go back to create content during a pandemic, it's going to be Tyler Perry's sisters. Mm. The first production. I'm proud of that. And I try, I, I swear to God, I try my hardest to stay humble in my blackness because mm. I don't want anyone to feel away. But black people fucking dope, bro. We are yeah. the ones. We dope. That's we it. That's it. We That's dope. It. Like, it is what it is. It is. Facts. That's it. Dope. Dope just laid down. She, she. That's it. Like, there's no, there's nothing more to say. Like there really is. Even Jackson asked me, why, why are there so many black inventors? Mm. Because we always, we're the problem solvers in America, it. bro. We had to do it. We, we had to do the work. Mm. It, I said this before. Why did a black man create the cotton gin? Because we were picking the fucking cotton, bro. And we was tired. Yeah. yeah. Tired. Let's do this quicker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's why, be efficient. Why yeah. Why did we create the traffic light? Because we were the drivers. We had to mm. drive them around. Wow. You know what? It'd be, wow. it'd be easier. It'd be easier wow. if there was a light here to tell people when to stop and go. Wow. <laughs> I'm just. I'm being real. I'm just being real, bro. Because I'm tired of driving everyone around, and I'm almost crashing into my cousin over here. He over. He over here wilding. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. T- Tyler Perry, why why are we going back to work so fast? Because I have 350 people who need to provide for their families. And all of the other people who just said, you know what? We can wait till this blows over because they don't they don't have the same adversities we have. They may come from generational wealth, so they can sit back and wait. You know what? I'm Paramount Studios. I can sit back and wait. You know, we got contracts. Me not. No, I have people who work here who are who are grips who are producers, who hair and makeup, who security, who need to go back to work. So let's find a way. And I'm telling you, that's deliberate because Tyler sat with us on a Zoom. Me, all the castmates and said, listen, guys, we're going to go back to work. Why? Because this is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. He openly said, I'm a billionaire. I could be sitting on my island, sipping a motherfucking Mai Tai. But there are people who work here who need this check. I'm dead serious. Everything I'm saying now is verbatim. Who need this check to be able to pay bills. So if you don't feel comfortable coming back to work during a pandemic, I understand. If you feel like your safety may be at risk, I understand. We'll catch you on the second go around. But we're going back to work because it's bigger than us. He literally sat us down and said that. When I tell you that shit got to me, bro, 
And and that's why when people be like, yo, D, I don't, you know, I don't see you out. Like, I don't, you don't want to come do this? I, I can't. Because if I get sick and I can't work and the production stops, people can't work, bro. It's bigger than me just going out and having a good time. I got to work so that other people can work too. It means that much to me, you know, and he, he made us feel like that. And I, I took that seriously. I took, I took it seriously. And I, and a lot of my castmates the same way. They don't go nowhere. They don't go out. We just at home with our families. And then when it's time to film, let's go to work so everybody can work. That's it. Real shit. Real rapper off. (laughs) Yes. Now, oh man, that's heavy, heavy, bro. Heavy. Yeah, I know. Whenever we start talking, <laughs> but whenever we start talking about that, it gets heavy. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go back to the book for a second because I think you know, especially as a black father, this was something that was necessary, right? You had to come out with something that could speak to the kids, and like you said, um, actually put something in front of them to show them our history. Now, one of the things I'll say is you're always strategic with everything, and the first thing you see on the the book is it says the Ellis's and the time machine. So that sounds like there's going to be more because when you have a time machine, there's so many places you can go, right? <laughs> so with that said, I, I know you got thoughts and I mean, is there anything in the works right now? And, you know, yeah, what's the works right, right now, man? So right now I'm working on the second book, The Ellis is in the Town Time Machine, What is Generational Wealth? And um, that's going to be a book where we go back in time and we discuss all the ways black people have kept out of access to wealth in American history, just so that it can show people why we are the way we are. How do we get to ghettos? What is happening right now in America? And I want to do it for children to understand so that people realize, like, because right now it's hard to, to change the minds of adults, but you can influence a child. And if you can teach a child from young their history, they're able to make better decisions as they become older. And ultimately, in a perfect world, I'll have I'll probably do a book every quarter just teaching black history in, in this way. But I ultimately want to do a cartoon. I want to do an Ellis's in the Time Machine cartoon, and that will be an animated series. And ultimately, I want to do this Jumanji type, the Ellis's in the Time Machine movie where we, we actually go back in history and we discuss these things, but we do it so that children can enjoy it. And that's that's ultimately my big plan. So I just laid out my master plan for y'all. So that's my plan. I'm work I'm working on it. That's that's my passion project. We're supporting it 100. percent Like that is beautiful, and it's so necessary, so needed, especially in the times we live. In. I mean, we always needed something like this, but it's so important right now. Yeah. So yeah, we're supporting it 100. percent and, and just just a per just a personal thing. I get to tell you one, yeah, yeah, that's my godson right in the middle, right there, all in the middle, doing his thing. <laughs> I, I, I was so happy with our sword. I was so, I was so happy for Jax when I saw this, man. So, well, he he's the inspiration behind it, man. He asked me that question, and that and it was like, and uh, it's funny when you have kids, man, how you you try so hard to inspire them, and don't real they don't realize how much they inspire you. And um, he Jackson inspired me to get on social media, and Jackson inspired me to write a book. Like he's have being a father, yeah, be, being a father changed my life. Like I was, I was very selfish growing up. Um, I had my own insecurities and my own doubts about myself. But being a father really makes you release those things because you ain't got no choice when you wake up in the morning, man. You look at them little faces, and they didn't ask to be here. 
So you have a fiduciary responsibility to provide a lifestyle for them where they can feel safe in your presence. And I had to make a lot of changes over the last nine, about to be 10 years. And, you know, I credit a lot of it to one, my my wife, who um, allowed me to grow and, and, and make mistakes. And, and, and she grew with me, you know, because she's not perfect neither. But ultimately, my kids, like, my kids changed my life, bro. Like, they really made me a different person. Like, different, even, and I know you know, Brian, since you went to school with Brian, you know my brother used to be a hothead. So, you know, he got kids now, and we call him Pension Brian in the houses. Back in the day when he used to be ready to swing on somebody or go run up on somebody, now it's like, I'm not losing my pension over this. <laughs> and that's, it's all because he got kids. All because he got kids. I had a conversation with a friend of mine like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, in this big age, at, at our big age, we kind of put it into perspective of, you know, when we made choices, not mistakes, choices, we mm-hmm. weren't looking in the perspective of when I leave this house, every decision that I make affects my family and everybody mm-hmm. around me. So I have to be really, really Ooh. mindful of what I do and the, what choices I make. And as we get to this age where a family is the root of it, and we get to this age where our kids are watching and looking mm. and following, and, and we have to build mm. that legacy, we leave the house mm. every single day with that mind frame. So it's, it, it's a different Deval now than when you were selfish no. at 18 and, and half your days and stuff like that. Like, you move way, way different. <laughs> Yo, it's funny you say that, Liv, but it's even small things. I get in my car now. The first thing I do when I get in my car, I'm like, <laughs> extra. <laughs> extra it's with the seatbelt. It's in the back of your mind. It's in the back of your mind. <laughs> Did y'all see me put on the seatbelt, y'all? Y'all saw this? Yo, every. <laughs> this is how I you do, do it, guys. <laughs> Yo, Jim, no. You got kids too, Jim, Exactly. So you know everything you do. You extra with it. Like, extra, I make sure they see. I'm looking, y'all, y'all see me doing all the right things, right? I never thought about those things. I used to jump in my car, go flying down the Belt Parkway, doing a buck 15 for no reason. Like, why are you going so fast to go nowhere? There's no reason to be going this fast. Now, I do 26. I do a little bit over 25 so that the law don't think that I'm doing. I do 26. I be just sitting here like this, you know. They be honking. I be like, y'all go around. Go around. Go around. Uh, I, I heard I heard you and Kevin on stage talking about them Cali gas prices too. That's part of the reason too, right? <laughs> Bro, I never forget. I went to go get gas one time. Suddenly it was five ninety five. I was like, no, 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 no. We are not doing this. I, so, yo, Jim, I put three gallons. I, I put three gallons in my tank, and I drove home mad slow. Said. I'm not getting a dollar more out of this motherfucker. No pit stops. Mm -mm. Daddy, how can we go to... No, we can't go nowhere. We're going to get mountain bikes. I bought bought mountain bikes for everybody. (laughs) I got six bikes in the house now. Swear to God. That's how Kay hurt herself. (laughs) I remember she fell off the bike. On on everything. People think I be joking. I I don't be joking. Like, I'm frugal. I want to keep this money that I'm making, so... We've been going all around, but I, I wanted to know, too, man, with all the producers... And, you know, casting agents and et cetera. When you were coming up, when you were the guy in the 50 Cent Casket video, right? Now that you're at this level you're at, 
how many of them are calling you now and saying, hey, is that is that a regular thing for you right now where you have people from the past who might have said, no, just the fall. Come on, we got this project for you, bro. Come on, come through. I mean, um, one of the big, one, big ones for me, which kind of like really made me realize that I was making an impact was Robbie Reed. Like, mm. Robbie Reed is like an aunt to me. I don't know if people know Robbie Reed, but she casts like everything. She casts a different world. Like, mm. um, she cast... She thinks she cast she cast Love Jones. She, mm. Like there's so many black movies, and I don't want to say the wrong ones because there's so many. But if you could think about your your favorite black movies growing up, Robbie Reed cast them. Wow, right? And um, I remember growing up and thinking like, damn, I would love to be cast in a movie by Robbie Reed. And then now getting text messages directly from Robbie wow. Reed, you wow. know, and and her casting me in bigger. Wow, and it's it's like. It's like, yo, like, I can't believe that I'm here. And even even the, her calling me into the office to tell me that I didn't get a role was like... It's still, I'm talking was like, to her. Like, it's, I'm still talking to, I'm talking to Robbie Reed. Like, fuck not getting a role. I don't care. Right, I don't cool, care. Robbie. Like, I'm in Robbie Reed's Next office. Next one. Yo, and... Hi, right, cool. Thanks, Robbie. Yo, Text me later. <laughs> yeah. Jim, on everything, that's exactly how it was. It was me and Kay in that office. And I was just smiling. I was heartbroken. I was like, damn, I'm in Robbie Reed's office. And she's... <laughs> the head casting director for all the BET projects. Wow. So I think it was four years ago I had, I went in for an audition for um, the new audition project. Mm. And that's the first time I went to her office in New York. And she was in there with her glasses on and she's like, okay, Duvall, yes, okay, you ready? And I was like, yeah. I was nervous, of course, because it was Robbie Reed. And as soon as I got done, they had me read for Bobby Brown. I'm like, I don't look nothing like fucking Bobby Brown, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do this audition, right? <laughs> and um, this was this was before I even knew, I just before I even knew how the audition process go. And let me just be clear, like sometimes they give you sides just to see if you can create some any type of magic. Like they probably were not casting me for Bobby Brown, but it was like let's see, give him these sides. Let's see what he let's see what he does with. You might have been the manager. So I went in there. Right, I could I could have been anybody. They could be like, oh, I like this guy's look. Let's let's put him in something uh, else. So uh, I went in there and read, and at the end of it, she was like, that was really good. What's your name? What's your name again, sir? I was like, oh, my name's DeVal. And she was just like, oh, that was, that was really nice. Okay, thank you. And I never heard back from her ever again. <laughs> and that was four years ago <laughs> until until two years ago, I finally heard back from her. But that like I realized at that point, like she kept me in her roller yes. desk. Like she was looking for projects and she let me know, like, yeah, you know, we, you know. Once I, I caught up to you on social media and I saw you doing these other things, I kept you in, in mind for some different projects. And it made me realize, too, that just because you don't get something don't mean that you're not good. It just means you weren't meant for that project. Mm-hmm. So don't don't take an L and feel like, damn, I suck. I'm going to give up. I can't. I'm not booking at all. Sometimes it's just like, yo, that role wasn't for yeah. you. Like, there's just there's somebody better for that role or, you know, so. I learned that, but Robbie Reed is definitely the one person that um oh and and I'll have to say um Will Packer. Mm. Will Packer. I watched Will start to like like grew like pretty much blow up once he did Think Like a Man and then he starts doing all these other different projects and movies and I was just like, yo, like it's freaking Will Packer. Like he's doing he you no, know, he pretty much put Kevin Hart into a position to become Kevin Hart. And now Kevin Hart is who he is, but you know he was in a lot of Will Packer productions, and I was like, one day I want to work with Will Packer. So then when they cast me for Bigger, and I came back for season two, and you know Will walked in, I was like, Hey, Deval, what's up? And I was just like, <laughs> You know me? 
This nigga, this nigga know my name, son. This nigga know my name. Will Packer knows my name. And then um, he was like, oh, what's up, man? You've been doing some good work, man. And then I had did another project for uh, the photograph. Uh, me and Kay had interviewed Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. And then once again, Will came up and was like, hey, Deval, what's up? And this time, I was like, what's up, Will? Yeah. What's good? You know what I'm saying? When I catch you up on the other side, you know what I'm saying? Text One day, you, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll text you later, Will. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't got his number, though. We ain't that close. But, um... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that he even know who I am was yeah. kind of like, wow. Okay. Like, this shit is crazy. And, of course, Tyler Perry, like, I I text Tyler now and the nigga texts me back. Like, I think I could text Tyler Perry, which is That's bananas. Crazy. Like, I can call him and he'll, he'll answer the phone. You know, like, you know how crazy, like, I, I, I can physically touch a billionaire. And, and your number, your number is saved like, in his phone. I was... And at any time, yo, for I, real, like, like you, bro, yo, Liv, when we were moving here to Atlanta, I was thinking about building a house first. And um, I'm like, yo, yo, T, you got a second, right? I text him, yo, T, you got a second. He calls me. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, you free? He's like, yeah, what's up? And then I was just like, yeah, I'm thinking about building a property. What's the thing? And he was going through everything. Spent like a good 45, 50 minutes just talking me through the process Game. of what it would be. And then I'm just, he's like, you, you good? He's like, you know what? Um, you know, let me know what you decide, whether you want to buy or build. And, you know, I can, you know, put you in contact with some people. And I was just like, that was like a year ago. And I was just like, hey, I got off the phone with Tyler Perry. Stop sweating me. Don't sweat me now because I be talking to Tyler Perry now. All right? That's big homie. And she was like, DeVal, shut up. Shut up, DeVal. Now I'm like, don't tell me shut up. I was yeah. talking to Tyler Perry. Different. All right? Don't, don't, different. don't, don't, you on, you know, I'm different now. Levels. You know what I'm saying? Levels. Call me Mr. Ellis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Call me Mr. Ellis. Call me DeVal no more. All right? All right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been a great we, we talked about we talked about all right Will Smith that was the ultimate the red carpet moment Will Smith boom 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 yeah. we also got to bring it to the equalizer with Queen Latifah oh and how set it off was your movie mm. you know you know yes. Mm. yes so so all right so not only was set it off my movie. But the scene when Cleo gets in the car. Yeah. And all you hear is ding, 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 day after day. Seems like I push against the clouds. You know, Yo, that still that gives me chills right now. It gives me chills right now. But um my boy Slick, who it's from Brooklyn as well. He's from Bushwick. He put me in my first film, Full Circle. He's like big time in Hollywood now. Like he knows everybody. He's done, um, he's done Power. He's done, he's doing a BMF joint right now. He did Equalizer. Um, he like he's doing he's done everything now. He's he's really big time right now. But um, he was Emmy nominated for his his web series, not his web series, Emmy nominated for his Netflix series, mm-hmm. It's Bruno, which he cast me in that as well. But um he called me and was just like, yo, I'm doing the equalizer. They got some roles. Boom. He's like, you know, have your people submit, whatever. So I had my people submit, and um, it was a co-star. Now, I have not done a co-star in, like, five years. Wow. Not, not to big time anything, but, you know, I'm, 
I've I only do a guest star, a recurring guest star, or a series regular. I'm just at that point in my career now where I'm not doing a co-star. So my people submitted, and then they they came back and said the Val can audition, right? And then my my peoples was just like, he's not auditioning for a co-star. It's like, you know, it's uh, right book here. only. It's direct booking only. Right? Yeah. So they're <laughs> like, he's not doing that. So then I was just like, no, this is fucking Queen Latifah. I'm gonna audition for this, like. I don't like y'all don't understand what this means to me. I don't I don't care about this. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the credit. I want to work with Queen Latifah. That's all that mattered to me. That's all that mattered. That's you know what I'm saying? That's so I went, I submitted myself. My team didn't even submit for wow. me. I got the, and this is what I want to tell people too. You have to continue to be your own advocate. Yes. Don't let people tell you what you will and will not do. I got the casting director's information. I submitted my own tape. I self-taped at my crib and I booked it. Wow. And I was just like, I was hyped because I didn't book it off of a favor. I booked it because Queen Latifah saw my tape because mm. she executive producer. You talk about ownership. Wow. Ownership. She's an executive that's a whole, producer that's a whole joint right there. on that show. That's, that's a whole show. That's a whole and her, her and her homeboy. Wow. Her and her homeboy shot Kim. That's there is theirs, and it opened up to twenty million in the first week, mm. right after the Super Bowl. Yes. Then followed up with nine million, which is the the record for the most views to to maintain or retain in week two. So, of course, I was in week three. I get there, and I'm trying not to be a fan. Like I'm trying so hard not to be a fan, and because this is Queen Latifah, and it's COVID. And she's she's big on you know COVID protocols, so she got the mask on. Everybody got to be social distance. So, but me and her had a very intense scene. Like we had a, a very intense scene. We had to do a fight, and we had a monologue back and forth. So, she, you know, she sits me down. She's like, "Oh, you want to run them?" So I'm like, "I'm like, cool. Yeah, 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 let's run, let's run." Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I got my my active stance on. I got my leg crossed. You know, running the lines with Queen Latifah and everything. And then she's just like, you know, make sure that blah 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 blah. And then she brought up, set it off. And I was just like, well, since since you brought it up, right? I wasn't gonna bring it up, but um, since you brought it up, that's my motherfucking movies. That's my movies. And she just brought it up. That's my movies. Yeah, she just brought it. We were talking because we were. T- oh, matter of fact, be- because we were talking about. She had, remember she had to flip me onto yes. the table, and I didn't have a cup on. So the first time she went underneath and she's like, do you have a couple? And I was like, no. She's like, whenever you do stunts or you do something, make sure that you put, I ain't have the tape or nothing. So I was just here, dangling, swinging. Like, that's just what it was. So she was just like, make sure you have a couple to protect yourself. And I was just like, all right, I got you. And then I had to do another scene where I flew up against the wall. And she was like, you don't have a rib protector on. I was like, no, I'm good. So we had to do the scene like five times, right? So, because I'm I'm trying to impress Queen Latifah. Like, I'm. I don't. I'm trying to impress her. I want to show her how tough I am. She said, "So afterwards, she was just like, you know, yeah, I had to have a, a rib cage because wow. you know, from doing stunts, I know all this yeah. stuff. But I had on a t-shirt, and I didn't want it to look like I had on a protection thing. I wanted to be tough. So the reason why she brought up set it off because she was like, I'm gonna tell you a story. When I was doing uh, set it off with um, Jada Pinkett, the scene where she has to slap me in. The, the garage and I'm like yeah in the garage when you when you put the gun on her yeah because I I know everything and she's looking at word me like word. yeah yeah that's that's the same I'm talking about right and she's like well she had to slap me and the first time she went to slap me and I told her you know slap me I want to get the feeling so she slapped me hard and she's like that shit hurt I heard like the ring so after that I was like all right you don't got to slap me every single time <laughs> But she was just telling me how she learned that, 
she learned that you may want to take the hit the first time, but if you got to repeat it four and five and six times, you ain't going to want to get slapped in the face. And then when she brought up Set It Off, oh, it was a rap. Son. I was going through everything. I was doing the lines. I sang the song. I was I was doing everything. I was like, yo, I everything. Living single. We are living single. Ooh, in the 90s, Ooh, in the 90s kind of world. world. I'm glad, I'm glad I, I got my I girl. <laughs> Final words. We had some gems. But Not the gems. Have, you have any final words for the listeners out there to give some kind of inspiration? This this will be my final words, and this is what I like to tell to everybody who is a dreamer like me. When you tell people your dream, don't expect them to believe in you. Because if they believed in your dream, they probably would do it. So don't be surprised when people don't believe what you're saying. That don't mean that it's not going to happen. You, as long as you believe, you got the power and the energy to make it happen. I mean, <laughs> we did say it, right? Now, did we say it? Or did we say it? <laughs> Thanks again to DeVal for always outstanding conversation and good laughs. I cannot wait to do this again. Yo, so Liv, you mentioned earlier that we'd share a way for the listeners to hear that original chat we had with Mr. Tyler Perry Studios himself. You know what, Tim? I, I, yeah, I fake almost forgot. <laughs> At the request of so many of you beautiful people, we are launching a Patreon. Yes, yes, yes. Clap it up. Find us at patreon.com backslash blue dope. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash blue dope for as little as one dollar, ten dimes, 20 nickels, 100 pennies, one dollar a month. You will be privy to exclusive content that cannot be found anywhere else. Exciting times, live As a Patron, oh, not a Patron, I keep calling it the Patron of the Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll gain access to the first of all conversation in full. Other vintage dope and blue episodes, video content, yes, I said video, dope mixes, potential shout outs on future episodes, and so, so, so much yes, more. Yes, yes, we've been working hard on this show. We have so much more planned, so many amazing guests to come. So your support allows us to stay independent and consistent, and we absolutely thank you in advance. We want to remind you to please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, rate and review five stars of course tell a friend to tell a friend every interaction moves us up the list and helps us to be found follow us on the instagram at blue dope tv that's b-l-u-e-d-o-p-e tv also let us know what's on your mind drop us an email info at blue dope tv this that blue dope y'all Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Blue Dope and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow the crew on Instagram at Blue Dope TV.